Broadcasting from the Stuart Title Studio on Broadway in Tucson, Arizona, you are now tuned in to The Mark Bishop Show, discussing life and business with guests from all over the world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. You know, summer activities may result in exposure to a bacteria that can cause a chronic lung condition. A special guest I have today is pulmonologist, Dr. Patrick Flume, and he is raising awareness about non-tuberculous mycobacterial. It's an NTM lung disease. I welcome the doctor. He's a professor of medicine and pediatrics at the Medical University of South Carolina. And he also holds a medical degree from the University of Texas School of Medicine at San Antonio. Uh, it does sound like pretty scary stuff, doctor. So it's an important issue. Um, NTM or non-tuberculous mycobacteria, these are bacteria which are common in our environment. They live in the soil and they live in the water. And so although we all are exposed to these bacteria, there are only some people who are vulnerable to developing infection. And when they develop infection with these mycobacteria, it can be serious and progressive. And the reason it's important is because these symptoms that they have often are mimicked by other conditions and so it often it results in a delay in diagnosis. Well, Doctor, some people associate warmer weather with outdoor activities like gardening and strolls through the park, you know, fun times. Others associate the high temperatures with staying cool indoors. However, I guess many don't realize that both uh, may result in exposure to a common type of bacteria that can cause a serious and chronic condition. And this can lead to lung damage in those who are susceptible. Uh, you know, it makes you feel, Doctor, like, like, is there anything left you can do, you know, whether it's indoors, outdoors? And, and if you take away the beautiful idea of going out in the summer, uh, I guess you just have to be aware, right? You need to be aware. Uh, there are some steps that people can do. Uh, as I had mentioned, the, these bacteria are normal in the environment. So they live in the soil and in the water supply. And so there are some steps that have been recommended to perhaps reduce the amount of exposure. So, for example, if you're working with the soil, like you're gardening, uh, perhaps dampening the soil so you don't get such a dusty environment, or perhaps wear a face mask when doing that activity to try to reduce the risk of aspiration. And for those bacteria in the water supply, avoiding things like hot tubs where these bacteria can grow. Um, also turning up the temperature of your hot water heater to try and reduce the bacterial burden that might be present in there. And then it's been known that we can culture these bacteria from the shower heads. And so some have recommended using showers that have broader nozzles so that there's less mist developed and or perhaps even just shifting to taking baths as opposed to showers. Hmm. Very interesting information there. All right, well... Uh who then should be concerned, do you think, doctor? The people who are most vulnerable are those who have underlying lung disease. Uh, so this would be like patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD, like emphysema, uh, patients with bronchiectasis or cystic fibrosis, but also those that have immune deficiencies. Those would be the patients who are much more vulnerable. Uh, well, Doc, apparently while uh, NTM lung disease occurs throughout the U.S., 7 out of 10 of all uh, NTM infections occur in coastal areas. And NTM lung disease cases are increasing by 8% each year in the U.S. 
So what you're doing in raising awareness of risk is very important. Yes, so there, there is concern that there are areas of the country which are perhaps at greater risk, and so the association with coastal regions or wet environments, um, some of that may have to do with greater risk because there's more bacteria in the space, but it also might be that some areas are have greater awareness. And so although this is considered a rare disease, it is becoming increasingly common, and not just because I think that there's more people who are developing infection, but I do think it is that there is a growing awareness of patients who might have NTM lung disease because the symptoms can mimic other illnesses. And so once it enters into the thought processes of these physicians, then they can begin proper testing and make the diagnosis. All right. And I guess that uh, site about NTM.com is a good starting place for people to perhaps uh, go and read up on. That wouldn't hurt. There's, you know, there's a lot of places where people can get information, and I'm always cautious about it, recommending the Internet because it's a dangerous place to learn things. But there are some sites which I think provide reasonable information, and about NTM.com is one of those sites, mm -hmm. and it also provides links to other sites. All right, let's, let's get this clear. What is NTM lung disease, and why is it important for people to know about it? So NTM lung disease is when one has an infection that's due to mycobacteria that is causing progressive problems in the lung. So the mere presence of NTM in the lungs is not sufficient to make the diagnosis or to recommend treatment. Although the bug shouldn't be there, we will find it in some patients who are relatively asymptomatic or their symptoms might be attributed to something else. And so we try very hard to identify those patients who are most likely to benefit from treatment. Why it's important is because the symptoms that are associated with NTM lung disease are mimicked by a number of other conditions, and so it takes a long time for many of these patients to get to their ultimate diagnosis. Those symptoms can be respiratory, like cough, but it's not just the presence of cough, it's a persistent cough. So if, if a cough has been going on for weeks and weeks, that's not normal. The cough is often productive of sputum or phlegm, but some of the symptoms that patients have are very nonspecific, like low-grade fevers or night sweats, uh, overwhelming fatigue or even weight loss, kind of like having the flu all the time. And so these patients will often be treated for other diagnoses delaying the time to their proper diagnosis. Okay, so we've discussed the symptoms there. Who, who is most at risk, do you think, for MTM lung disease? So as we would mentioned before, the patients who are at greatest risk are those with underlying lung disease, so COPD, bronchiectasis. But we also tend to see this occur in older patients. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the population, it, the majority are over the age of 65. And so um, it can be the result of chronic problems that over time have built up to making these patients much more vulnerable and uh, finally coming in contact with a physician who's thinking that NTM might be part of the problem. So um, you say that people are exposed to the NTM bacteria, but there are ways to reduce the exposure. I think you mentioned one was watering the soil. 
Well, that's if you're gardening, right? Yes. What else can you recommend if you're not doing that particular hobby or, you know, I mean, do you have to wear a mask if you're walking through the park or something or what else could you recommend? Well, I don't know that we have to go overboard and recommend everyone be walking around with a mask, um, but they can avoid um, environments that are particularly dusty. So if people are in rural environments and there's a lot of plowing and aerosolization of dust, that would be a time to stay indoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, people use filters sometimes, both for the air and their water. <clears throat> but a key issue there is to make sure that people are following the manufacturer's recommendations because filters, typically water filters, can be good, but generally people leave them in for too long, and now they're doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing. It becomes a place where bacteria can, can live. So if, um, if, if one is choosing to use filters, it's to read the recommendations for cleaning or replacement and to follow those. And as for turning up the hot water temperature, uh, some have recommended dialing that up to as high as 130 degrees Fahrenheit to try and do a better job of reducing the bacteria present in the water. Hmm. What about uh, people being tested? How are they tested for this lung disease? Uh, what can be done if someone does test positive? So the first thing is to consider this as a potential diagnosis. And so if one is thinking that their patient may have NTM lung disease as a cause of their symptoms, the best test is imaging and best with a CT scan of the chest. And so there will be some findings on there that would be typical, not diagnostic of, but might make you think this still could be NTM. And then you got to get cultures. So getting a specimen from the sputum or, if necessary, putting a scope down to try and obtain specimens to see if you can grow the bacteria. I would not recommend treatment without knowledge of what bug is, is uh, present and the cause of their symptom. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, the, the, we try very hard to find out what it is that we're trying to make better. And so in those patients in whom we do recommend therapy, those therapies range from uh, one is treating the underlying cause of their lung disease, so treating their COPD. Um, a second step is to enhance clearance of secretions from the lower airways. So there are a number of therapies and even inhaled medications that can enhance clearance uh, to treat other causes that might aggravate it, such as reflux uh, or aspiration. And then if we need to go after the bacteria and we're using antibiotics, generally we're using multiple antibiotics for a prolonged period of time. And that's one of the reasons why we try very hard to make sure that these patients need to be treated and how we're going to approach that because it's a complex regimen that they would be asked to follow. Mm. Well, you know, you staff professor of medicine, pediatrics at the Medical University of South Carolina, but you serve as a director of the MUSC Health Cystic Fibrosis Center, and you also have special research interest in cystic fibrosis, uh, bronchiastasis, and chronic lung infections, including non-tuberculous by bacterial lung disease. What, what set you uh, along that path, doctor? Is there something that fascinated you, or was there a member of the family that suffered, or...? Why take this? Because it is a very important uh, modality that you went after. Well, it was during my training when I was um, exposed to uh, patients with cystic fibrosis, and I became very interested in that condition. 
And so when I moved to Charleston to set up the adult cystic fibrosis program, we basically built it from there. And because those patients suffer from bronchiectasis and chronic airways infection, it was a natural fit to uh, develop a clinic dedicated to patients who have bronchiectasis due to other causes. And then we see a variety of different bacteria, but the mycobacterial infections just seem to stand out differently. And so we established a program uh, dedicated to the care and evaluation of those patients. Um, and it's just grown from there. Great stuff. Well, folks, you can visit about NTM.com. I know the doctor's not overly keen on as far as online is concerned, but it's a start. Uh, additional information can be got there about NTM lung disease, but there's lots of other places you can research. It includes recently launched Voices of NTM Lung Disease e-magazine. This features the perspective of patients, caregivers, physicians, and advocates in the community. All right, doctor, you're back to Dr. Patrick Flume, doing a wonderful job. Thank you uh, for all you're doing, doctor, and keep up the good work, okay? Well, thank you for having me. You're most welcome. 